0: Join us now for Strange Tales, featuring radio drama at its most mysterious and unusual. This is Strange Tales. Welcome back. Thanks for joining me this Sunday. We're going to hear from the Columbia Workshop this week a CBS series that aired from July of 1936 to April of 1947, 375 episodes. Our story today is from September 26th, 1936. It's titled The Dream Maker.
1: Columbia Workshop, under the direction of Irving Rees. Ladies and gentlemen, the Columbia Workshop offers its ninth program in a series devoted to experimental radio. We're happy to announce that Orson Welles' presentation of the first two acts of Shakespeare's Hamlet brought the largest male response of any program presented so far in this series. Many of you requested us to do the balance of the play this week. Unfortunately, Mr. Welles is opening his new play this evening and could not be here. However, we are planning to present the other three acts at the earliest opportunity, and thanks to your interest, we are also making arrangements to present similar treatments from the other plays of Shakespeare. Tonight, we're dividing the program into two parts. The first 15 minutes will be devoted to an original dramatization by Charles Burton, who uses his pen to give us the inside story on the ghost and nightmare racket. In the second half, the workshop, in conjunction with the EE Free Laboratories, uses the tools of science to analyze the shadows that walk in the night.
2: The Dream Maker Remember that night you woke up trembling, your body bathed in a cold sweat? You had a horrid suspicion that you'd been yelling at the top of your voice. Probably you tried to trace its origin. Blamed it on something you ate, but you were wrong. We're going to take you behind the scenes of dreams and prove it. Two curious figures approach, as if taking shape from within a bank of fog. One is an aged man. He is accompanied by a young fellow. They converse as they
3: stride along. You seem in an awful rush. (laughs) There's a big night ahead of us, chum. Lots of ground to cover. Why start out so early? Really? What do you mean, youngster? Well, I've always heard that ghosts don't go to work till the stroke of midnight. Oh, bosh. That's an old-fashioned idea. That's (laughs) all. Some of us even work in the daytime. Oh,
4: what on earth can a ghost accomplish by daylight?
3: Plenty. Don't you realize how many people there are who work nights and sleep days? Night marchmen, newspapermen, cops, lunch countermen, radio announcers. Oh, lots of folks.
4: Gosh, mister. You can't very well haunt a house in the daytime. Nobody'd be scared.
3: Ooh. Oh, I <laughs> get you now, sonny boy. <laughs> you don't understand the setup. <laughs> mm, probably I don't. You see, two big mobs control all the rackets in this business. The amalgamated association of nightmare breeders and the ancient order of house haunters. You don't say. Sure, it's all organized. <laughs> I'll explain it before long, but not now. We've got to go to work here. In this house? Right in this house. Oh, my thrilled. Oh, boy, will I scare him. Hey, you you'll do what? Hey, what are you doing with that hammer? Oh,
4: that's what I'll wrap on the wall with. Listen to this. And then I'll walk around upstairs like a ghost with a wooden leg like this. Oh, boy, that'll make the hair stand on end. And then after that, maybe I'll rattle a chain. And then I'll yell,
3: Hoo! Oh, no, 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 you, you don't get the idea. We we don't operate that way. No? No, no, that old stuff belongs to the opposition. Oh, we're different. Come on, I'll show you. Here we go. Give me your hand. What
4: are we going to do?
3: Whiz up into that corner bedroom there. You ready? Sure. Here we are. Holly, there's a man. He's asleep. Oh, you can talk as loud as you like, youngster. Our voices are pitched in a frequency too high for the mortal ear to pick up. That's so. (laughs) Yes. Now, this man bets on horses. Oh,
4: that's bad.
3: Awful bad. Last week, he won $100.
4: Think of that.
3: So when he gave his wife her allowance, he added an extra $5.
4: That wasn't much considering. Of
3: course not. Since then, he's lost a hundred and a lot more.
4: That's the way it goes. He shouldn't gamble.
3: Tonight, when he handed over his wife's house money, he held out ten dollars. Told her he had to pay a bill.
4: Oh, my.
3: Now watch. I'm going to roll him over on his back. Yeah. Get over there.
4: Big, isn't he? Sure is. Must weigh 200 pounds. Yeah.
3: Now, (laughs) <laughs> now to fix up a nightmare he won't soon forget. <laughs> hey Wheeler, you're a jockey, Wheeler. Get it? A jockey. And you're riding a horse called Iron Monkey in the fifth race. Iron Monkey can't lose, Wheeler. You get it? He can't lose. But you, you bet your whole fortune on another horse in the same race called Sweet Sue. <laughs> You get it. You're betting on Sweet Sue, but you're riding Iron Horse. Uh, oh. Time for the parade of the post wheeler. Go oh, ahead. Start dreaming.
2: That's Iron Monkey. Come on, sir. All right, Up right. go, going to win it. Uh, you all right. Yeah. How's that? Good. Tight. All set. Well, what do you know, Andy? Iron Monkey can't lose. He's in fresh shape. He is. The other horses ain't got a chance. You got a bet down? Well, sure. I put my whole fortune on sweet two. You... <laughs> you bet on sweet two. <laughs> well, ain't that too bad. Say, didn't you know they're planning on using that nag to pull milk wagons after this race? Well, what'll I do? You got to help on. me, Andy. You got to help me. Don't you understand? Sure, sure. I understand. Well, what'll I do? <laughs> well, here's the call to the post. Use your own judgment. Come on. The horses are now parading to the post for the fifth race. The race will start in about three minutes. Oh, gosh, what will I do? Iron Monkey can't win. I've got everything on
1: sweet Sue.
2: What will Matilda say? Oh, gosh, she'll divorce me. Listen, Iron Monkey, you're going to get in the jam at the start and trail all the way, do you understand? You've got to lose Stop that! you got to lose, do you understand? The horses have reached the starting gate. They're walking into position now. There they are, all lined up. Iron Monkey looks every inch. The great horse he is. Oh, look at that. He just stepped through the barrier. That horse is straining every fiber of his thoroughbred body. He's just rearing to go. Come on, back in here. Don't be so darn anxious. Keep that nag in a slot, we'll have to pack them in. Whoa, take it easy. Now don't get excited. Everything's tense. Everybody's training as the riders and horses wait for that starting signal. They're off! They're there they go. They're off to a perfect start. Sweet Sue takes the early lead. He's way out in front, followed by Polar Bear. There's Bear second, 3rd. The rest are bunched. It's Sweet Sue's race right now by a length and a half. The rest are dropping back. Iron Lucky's a bad lap. The favorite looks way out of the running.
3: Ah, a baby
2: Iron Monkey. Just take it easy. We're just out for the ride. Take it easy. That's it easy. easy. Around the first turn, it's sweeps to opening up a wide lead. Captain Jerry has come up to take second place. Leading Polo Bar by a neck. Fair of is dropping back and Iron Monkey is still left. Oh, wait a minute. He seems to be picking up a bit. Here, Iron Monkey, cut that out. Cut it out, I tell you. Slow down, do you hear? you got to let Sweet Doe win. The, the back track is Sweet Doe. Going away, followed by Captain Jerry. Swallow bar is coming fast on the inside, and Bear Tickle is giving way to Iron Monkey, who seems to be making head bid for man. Oh, God. it all. Now look what you did. You lug, let go of that spin Let go, will you? Watch your hurry.
0: Wheeler, where's the house, and the automobile, and your
2: paycheck. Answer me. Oh, my God, my God. Slow up, will you? Slow up. On the back stretch, the track is a sea of mud. I can hardly distinguish the colors. One horse has overtaken the field and is going into the lane. Is it? Yes, it is. It's Iron Monkey. Iron Monkey now leads by three quarters of a length. Hey, Iron Monkey, please, didn't you hear, Matilda? What do you think I'm holding on these reins for? Oh, darn your eyes! Why, all the horses in the field have stopped except Iron Monkey, who continues to show the way. The other jockeys have dismounted and are pulling hip boots on all four legs of their mounts on account of the heavy mud. Pull up, Iron Monkey. You're no mud horse and you know it. Pull up, do you hear? you got to get on your boots. The field is away again. They've overhauled Iron Monkey. His jockey seems to be slow in getting on the swoop. It's Sweet through by a head, by a half, by a full length. oh Sweet in it. He's facing the other way while he's running backwards. Now he's headed the right way again. He's opening up again. As they round into the stretch, it's Sweet through by a length and going away. It certainly looks like Sweet Doe's race at this point. Oh, wait, wait, what's Iron Monkey doing? Iron Monkey has leaped to the top of the infield fence. He's running along the rail. He's passing the other horse like a streak of light. Get down off that fence. Oh, oh, my gosh. Whoa, get off that fence, I tell you. Oh, my gosh. The crowd is going crazy. Why, this is the most sensational race ever run. Coming up from last place, Iron Monkey leaps to the fence and is now heading for the finish. It's sensational. He's increasing the lead by five lengths. Six, seven, eight...
4: All right. am and monkey Oh. Oh. Whoa. Oh. <laughs> Look at him flash around. A nightmare. Believe me. Sure was a beaut.
3: Well, I hope it teaches him a lesson.
4: So well, that's what you do. That's
3: it, boy. What do you think of it?
4: Swell.
3: That's... Why, the mob I work for is called the Amalgamated Association of Nightmare Breeders.
4: Well, what about the other mob?
3: Oh, just a bunch of old fossils. <laughs> no originality. Call themselves the Ancient Order of House Haunters, yeah. Oh, I see. <laughs> They've been established in Europe for centuries.
4: But they haunt houses over here, too, don't
3: they? Oh, yes. They try to muscle in. But heck, their antiquated racket may be all right in a medieval castle or an old farmhouse, but here, it's the bunk.
4: You don't say. Mm-hmm.
3: <laughs> but all they're good for is to keep British novelists supplied with material. Oh, <laughs>
4: well. Will. And I always thought they were the top.
3: Well, most everybody does. That's because they've been established so long. And of course, all those ghost story writers help to keep the impression alive.
4: Well, I guess you're right. Just
3: a bunch of old fogies with a trunk full of sound (laughs) effects. Well, (laughs) we go in here. Going to whiz in? Might as well. Saves time. Give me your hand again. (whistles) There.
4: It's a baby in a crib. Don't tell me you're going to...
3: Wait. Now, this poor little tyke's had a hard time of it. He has? Ear trouble. Mastoid. Now, watch. Well, little fellow, you're out in the country now. Sun's shining, birds are singing, and the grass is soft and green. And you're riding on a pony. He's all your very own. <laughs> Isn't it fun?
4: <laughs> Look at him smile.
3: And your pony's taking you right into an ice cream store. Yeah. Help yourself, laddie boy. <laughs> the nicest chocolate ice cream in the world. Uh, laugh away, baby. Ride your pony all night. Every night till you feel better. Poor kid. Come on, let's go. So oh, you chaps do good, too. Oh, yes, and deserving cases. Anytime we make a baby laugh, we can have the rest of the night off if we like.
4: Well, say, isn't that fine? Yeah,
3: but we'd better keep on going so you, you can get broken into the business properly.
4: That's all right with me. Where do we go from here?
3: Hollywood.
4: Hollywood, California? And that's the place. Oh, fine. I've always wanted to see that place. Will we meet a movie queen?
3: You bet we will.
4: Gosh.
3: <laughs> All set to travel? Sure. <laughs> All right, then. And here we are in Hollywood.
4: Say, well, we made good time. Well,
3: not bad, but I made it faster.
4: Huh? This is a nice art gallery. Hmm.
3: Not an art gallery. This is the home of Cleo Divine, the movie star. Oh,
4: yeah, but, but all those paintings.
3: Those are her ex-husbands.
4: <laughs> couldn't she make up her mind?
3: Mine? Oh, yeah. No, I guess she couldn't.
4: Golly, it's some place, though. Where's Cleo, I wonder? Well,
3: she must be somewhere around here. Listen. <laughs> there she is. Come on.
4: <laughs> Uh-oh. There I go opening the door again. I forgot all we have to do is walk through them. This is teaching.
3: It's hard habit to break. Hey, Cleo, cut out that snoring.
4: So this is Cleo Devine.
3: In
1: person.
4: Well, she asked me. No,
3: she's not all she's screened up to be.
4: Going to teach her any moral lessons?
3: Oh, yes, yes. I was just getting around to that. Remember you spoke of uh, mind? Uh-huh. Now, don't you think we ought to do something that'll help Cleo to learn how to make up her, uh, well, mind?
0: Yeah. Sure.
3: All right. Cleo Devine, it's time to get up. Start dreaming. Uh,
1: Did you ring, Miss Devine?
0: No, the bell did. Fetch me my engagement book.
1: Yes, miss. Right
5: here,
0: No, not that stupid. That's the directory of all the juveniles in Hollywood.
5: I beg pardon, Miss, you asked for your engagement book.
0: I mean my daily reminder. Oh,
5: so sorry. Uh, Here, Miss. Mm.
0: Now, let's see. Oh, there was something I had to do today. What was it? Oh, yes. I'm to be married at 12 o'clock. Who am I marrying today, Hawkins?
5: I uh, didn't catch the name, Miss.
0: Neither did I. Well, let's go, Hawkins. Whoopee!
5: Exactly, miss.
0: Oh, come on. Aren't you glad I'm getting married? Willie. Say it, Hawkins.
5: Uh, yes, miss. Uh,
0: Out of boy, Hawkins. Uh, am I
5: giving you away again, miss?
0: Yes. Yeah. Say, what's everybody staring at?
5: Well, really, miss, I couldn't say unless it's because you're still wearing your nightgown.
0: Oh, of course. Well, here's the city hall. Now, where's the blushing bridegroom? Oh, well, come on, let's go in.
5: Uh, perhaps you'd better sit down, miss. What was that? My word, miss, sounds like a fire.
0: <laughs> See, maybe the fire's in this place. we you have to call off the wedding. It must be right outside the door. Oh, oh dear, the door.
5: Don't be excited, miss. It's not a fire. I
0: just remembered.
4: uh, There they come.
0: There who comes? Uh, The
4: bridegroom, miss.
3: I just recalled. You're marrying the Los Angeles Fire Department. Oh! Oh, My boy, (laughs) that's (laughs) it. You've
4: got some imagination, sir.
3: It's quite simple after you get the hang of it. (laughs) Just
4: a case of making the punishment fit the crime, I take it.
3: That's it, boy. That's just it. Now you caught on quick. And just for that, I'm going to let you handle the next case.
4: Oh, gee, thanks. Where do we go?
3: Mm, let's see. About huh? time for another good deed, isn't it? Suits me. All right. You've heard of the timid soul, haven't you? Oh, yes.
4: He's a man who's worked for the same firm for thirty years and never asked for a raise. That's the man. Oh, sure, I know.
3: Well, let's make him happy, poor chap.
4: Fine, I'd love to.
3: He lives right here.
4: He does? Let's go in then.
3: <laughs> Midnight. So quick.
4: (laughs) Time flies when you're busy. Mm,
3: It's a funny thing. There's a light in his room.
4: Sure there is. He couldn't be awake at this hour. You know him. Early to bed and early to rise and all that sort of stuff.
3: Uh, Well, we'll see. Come on up.
4: There's his bed, but I don't see him anywhere.
3: Oh, look. He's pulled the cover over his head. What?
2: Listen. Listen.
3: The love of Mike. What is it? The opposition.
4: The ancient order of house haunters? Yes. Muscling in, eh?
3: I'll say so. Of all places.
4: Poor old timid soul. He's scared stiff.
3: They would pick on a poor chap like him. That's
4: a shame. I was going to fix up a peach of a dream for him, too.
3: (laughs) Pretty crude. Pretty crude. Listen, you guys, I warned you to stay out of this territory. <laughs> now, scram. Mm-hmm. Wise guy. Yes, yeah. at the last convention we agreed you're supposed to stick to cemeteries and English castles. Now beat it or we'll tear up the agreement and make everybody dream there are no ghosts. Every night... Oh! <laughs> all right, son. Now, now, you go on with your dream for Mr. Timmett's old.
4: Oh, well. Listen, Mr. Timmett's Soul, You're king of a desert island in the South Sea. You're the boss of all the warriors. And beautiful girls wait on you with fans to shoo the flies away. How am I doing, boss?
3: Well, it's a little bit obvious, but but it's not bad for a start. Anyway, Mr. Stivitz-Soul looks happy.
2: More
3: coconut, Mara.
4: Yeah, he's having a good time
3: I'll teach you the finer points as we go on. You'll be a full-fledged member of the Association of Nightmare Breathers soon. Oh, gee, swell. (laughs) Now, give me a hand and let's go.
2: Perhaps you have a better understanding of dreams now. All we can say is... Be good, and the maker of dreams will make you an object of his good deeds.
1: You have just heard Maker of Dreams by Charles Burton. For the second half of this evening's program, the workshop is pleased to have with us Dr. E. E. Free, a member of the faculty of New York University and a fellow in the Acoustical Society of America. We have asked Dr. Free to do again some parts of a demonstration broadcast, which was presented with much success some time ago. In it, Dr. Free turns his sound microscope on the subject of ghosts. Dr. Free.
5: Almost everyone likes ghost stories. Probably there is no adult human being who has not met at least one ghost, or has seen or heard something which he thought might be a ghost. Even scientists are interested in ghosts, and one of the things we use to study them and to reproduce them is the sound microscope you just heard mentioned. First of all, we want you to hear what this instrument can do. Here is some water dropping into a small tank as its sound is picked up by an ordinary studio microphone. Now we will let you hear those same water drops as they sound when magnified a few million times by an electrical sound microscope. Now let us see, or rather let us hear, how this sound magnifier can be used to help get a scientific idea of some common ghosts. Listen to a walking ghost as his footsteps come slowly out of the distance, pass invisibly along the hallway outside your door, and gradually disappear. I have heard ghosts who sounded much like that in lonely houses about three o'clock on some dark morning and I have found out what made them. It was water dropping slowly from a leaky faucet into a sink or a bathtub. That is what you just heard. On a table here in the studio, we have a little pool of water connected with a microphone and a sound microscope. Drops of water were dropped one by one into this. You heard the step-like sounds of these as they fell. Changing the adjustment of the sound microscope made the footsteps seem to come closer or to go away. A kind of ghost perhaps almost as common as these footstep ones are those who knock loudly or tap gently on walls or doors in the middle of the night. Here is one of them. That was the cracking of some pieces of wood slid forcibly over each other. Changes of temperature or moisture cause these little noises continually. Such small sounds almost never are heard in the daytime. They are drowned out by other noise. But at night, when everything else is quiet, our ears act in some degree like natural noise microscopes and magnify these tiny sounds until they become important. One common instance is the pistol shop ghost. There usually is a story of a secret duel years ago in the house or of a ruined gambler who shot himself or a brutal murderer who shot the whole family one after another. Night after night, the drama is reenacted audibly for impressionable listeners, like this. In reality, that was the snapping of wires in a piece of ordinary window screen. Actual window screens often sound just like that as they snap and crackle faintly on silent nights from changes of temperature. Then there are the ghosts who stand by your bedside in a pitch-dark room and breathe heavily, as though they were exhausted by the labor of climbing out of their graves to bother you. Here is one of them. That is another common accomplishment of an ordinary window screen or door screen. If these wire screens contract or expand strongly, they crack like pistol shots. If they contract or expand only gently, or if a moderate breeze blows over them, they may make breathing or sighing noises like that last one. Another kind of ghost includes the groaners, like this. That was the magnified sound of a rusty door hinge, like one on an unlatched door swinging gently in a breeze. Rusty hinges, door springs, and so on, also are responsible for many of the ghosts who clank up and down hallways, dragging chains behind them. Usually there is a story of some ancient pirate hanged in chains, or a prisoner chained for years in some basement dungeon. Here is one of these chain-clanking ghosts. Another interesting kind of ghost story is that of the ghosts who strangle and gurgle in the night, like persons being choked to death or dying from sword wounds through their throats. Like Mr. Burton's ancient order of house haunters that you just heard about, these usually are European inhabitants. They are much rarer in the United States. Here is one of them. The way we made that one was to run some water through a piece of ordinary pipe and let the sound microscope listen to it. And now for why these gurgling ghosts are commoner in Europe than in the United States. It is merely plumbing. In European houses, the plumbing is likely to be somewhat out of date. The pipe systems do a terrible lot of gurgling and rumbling, much more of it than the modern systems commoner in this country. But maybe some of you know of ghosts which you cannot be explained in any such way as this. If you do, and if your ghost can be counted on to perform on schedule, we would like to know about it. Maybe we can even slip in a microphone and broadcast it so that all of you can hear it and decide for yourselves. Thank you, Dr. Free.
1: Ladies and gentlemen, you have just heard the ninth program in the Columbia Workshop series devoted to experimental radio. Tonight we presented The Dream Maker, an original radio play by Charles Burton, and a demonstration of the sound microscope by Dr. E. E. Free, noted scientist. The Columbia Workshop has arranged for future broadcasts in conjunction with Dr. Free. Your comments on tonight's presentation will be appreciated.
5: Next week, at a new time, 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, the workshop will present a request performance of Mr. Reese's well-known experimental radio drama, Saint Louis Blue. The Columbia Workshop's presentations are conceived and directed by Irving reese This is the Columbia Broadcasting System.
0: There's more from the Columbia Workshop, Strange Tales, and all of the Relic Radio podcasts at RelicRadio.com. Our shoutcast stream is up and running there as well. And while you're there, if you'd like to help support this and all of the shows, visit donate.relicradio.com or click on one of the links on the website. Your support makes all of this happen. Thanks again to those who have. Thanks for joining me this week. I'll be back next Sunday with another episode of Relic Radio's Strange Tales.